Welcome to the Get Connected Podcast with Mike Agarbo. Coming up on this episode, we're talking NFTs, non-fungible tokens, a way for digital artists to authenticate their work. Some of them are making millions of dollars. We're going to go through step-by-step on how they do it and how you can set up your own NFT. We'll also be talking about a company that's doing battery swaps for electric vehicles. So instead of charging it at a charging station, they'll do an automatic swap to give you a fresh one. Stay tuned. You're about to get connected. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We have a really interesting program today. Later on, we'll be talking with uh, the folks over at the Ample EV Battery Swaps. It's a new battery swapping technology for electric vehicles. We'll learn all about it. And we're going to be talking more about NFTs, non-fungible tokens. This is lighting up the news right now. Digital artists are able to actually now authenticate their digital art, whether those be pictures or online trading cards, and sell them. And some people are making millions of dollars. We've done a great video on this up at getconnectedmedia.com. John uh, hosted it and put it together. It's fantastic. It'll walk you through everything. But we will be talking about about it on the program uh, as well and walking you through what you need to do if you've got some digital art that you've created and want to try to sell it on on how that all works. And uh, we'll be talking about an interesting little machine. This is a, a craft machine called a Cricut and how they're going to potentially go to a subscription service to actually use the device and what that means for consumers. Talking about NFTs, John, uh, everyone seems to be jumping on the bandwagon, and it looks like uh, even Charmin is selling toilet paper-themed crypto art. Of course they are. Thank God. Yeah. This is the thing that brands are are all over. Like we, I think we talked about it last week. Like Taco Bell is doing some taco-themed uh, NFTs and... Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other, pretty much any brand you could, any big brand you can think of is, is if they're not already doing it, they're actively working on it right now. I have to say, I think people should be careful. Like, how much is that Charmin toilet paper GIF or GIF going to be worth like five years from now? I guess. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, this is this is the the good and the scary thing about NFTs is it, it's perceived value, right? And yeah. Even even these things that are on the blockchain, people used to throw Bitcoin around like they were you know gummy bears because they were basically worthless. And now look at them. Same with Ethereum and everything else. Like all these blockchain-based currencies are exploding as alternative currencies for people to uh, collect things, to buy things. Tesla, you can even buy a Tesla now with Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. That kind of freaks me out, though. Like. It- some of this stuff's so volatile. Like Bitcoin goes up and down like literally thousands of dollars a day now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, I, so that's, that's whether you get a Model S or a Model 3. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, we're going to be talking more, more about uh, crypto art and uh, NFTs uh, later on in the program. And honestly, I really recommend you stick around for it because uh, uh, I think people need to know about this because I think this is going to be the future of uh, how we authenticate digital uh, art and how you might be able to make some money uh, as well Uh, on the app show coming up tomorrow in uh, most cities in canada that's our sister show we're going to be talking uh, a lot more about the 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 rogers shaw merger it's worth 26 billion dollars rogers is basically buying uh western-based shaw telecom uh you know they've got uh Freedom Mobile, Shaw Mobile, they own, um, you know, the TV stations as well. They do internet uh, provision. And, you know, 
a lot of people have some strong opinions about this, John. Uh, you know, one of them, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Anthony Lacavera, he was one of the founders of Wind Mobile, which eventually became Freedom Mobile, which was eventually purchased by Shaw, saying he was disappointed to hear about it. And, you know, I've just been talking to a few people out there. And I think people are very concerned about competition when it comes to this merger. Yeah, it's definitely something that we struggle with. Even having the big three, when Shaw and Freedom came around, it kind of made it like big three and a little little fourth, you know, yeah. almost. It's just mostly because they're primarily Western Canada based, and um, having that erode and all the other types of concerns that people have about the big three, um, I don't see how this can come across as something that is a positive thing, regardless of the spin that everybody's been putting on it. At the, in the Rogers camp, at least. I, I just got to say one thing, John. And, uh, you know, again, we've got to get more details about it. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know if it has to pass regulatory approval or, or not, if that's a thing anymore. But the government has tried to make it more competitive in this landscape. And this keeps happening. Like, they opened up the online spectrum uh, for, you know, the cell carriers. And they opened it up to new entrants. And in the end there are no new entrants left anymore. They've all been gobbled up by the big three. Yeah, I I remember jumping into public mobile when it first came out because it was fantastic and it was completely separate and and agnostic. And then Tells bought them. I'm like, great. (laughs) It's an interesting quote. Uh, Again, Anthony Lacavera, he was one of the founders of uh, Win Mobile, which became Freedom Mobile, which became Shaw and now is Rogers. Um, He basically said, uh, to what Rogers mentioned in their press release that it would not raise Freedom Mobile prices for at least three years. And, and uh, Anthony basically quoted here, I think it's very telling that right in their press release, they feel the need to say that. <laughs> yeah. I think in a normal competitive market, you would never have to say something like that because, of course, if there's a competitive market, prices are not going to go up. Yeah. It's ironic too because we we have seen, because of Shaw, prices go down at yes. least for us, right? And we, we've both taken advantage of some compelling offers from, from Rogers to to leave Shaw or, or tell us or, or who have, whatever, you know. And so those prices have come down to the point where they're actually almost reasonable now. I have to say, John, and we'll talk more about this on the app show. So again, tune in tomorrow. Uh, if you don't get it in your city, uh, it'll be available on podcast. Uh, in Toronto, it's uh, on Saturday nights. Uh, I would have to say Shaw and Freedom Mobile, I, I would say they're responsible for getting the prices down nationwide. I, I, I would agree, yeah. I mean, we're, we're both definitely benefactors of that. Let's talk about something uh, a little lighter here, John. How many Zoom calls do you do a day? Uh, well, you're on most of them, so you would know. <laughs> uh, but it's a so, lot. So too many, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the way we communicate now because we all, of course, have to socially distance. A lot of us are working from home. Uh, I, God, I must have a dozen Zoom calls a day, you know, the video conferencing calls. Well, there's uh, something called Zoom Escaper that lets you sabotage your own meetings with audio problems. <laughs> this is basically a web app that uh, you go to the website, zoomescaper.com. You have to install a little widget to basically give your browser permission to make noise in Zoom. Uh, and it's all outlined on the website. And it basically gives you a soundboard. So you can actually have these different sound effects that happen. And 
the other side doesn't know where it's originating from. So it can be things like a crying baby, which might be hard to explain if you don't have a baby. Um, <laughs> I um, stole a baby. <laughs> yeah. But like more obvious things would be like a barking dog. Uh, you can actually do echo and other things like that sounds like your Zoom is maybe failing and you need to reboot or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but y- there's other things like construction noise. So it's like, oh, there's a jackhammer outside my window. I can't. I can't today. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's super fun. It's actually created by an artist and he's done a number of interesting apps like this. He's actually got another app called zoom deleter. And it, it basically actively looks on your computer to see if you have zoom installed and it uninstalls it for you, <laughs> preventing you from installing zoom. So think of the fun we could have with your computer, Mike, when you leave it unattended in the office. Well, I've got the warning now. <laughs> We, um, we've had a chance to do a video on our first impressions of a new Google product. They've just released their new Nest Hub. Uh, this uh, is something that we're getting in. We'll be doing a full review of it uh, in the, the next week or so. But if you want to see our first impressions, uh, we've got a video up on our website and our YouTube channel, getconnectedmedia.com. The Nest Hub is uh, Google's digital assistant that has a 7-inch screen. This new one also has a built-in kind of uh, sensor or radar that when you put this on your nightstand can actually detect your sleep and will actually tell you how well you slept last night. It can see your breathing, your snoring, your moving and put all that data together. Little freaky. <laughs> a little freaky. And what if you have a, a, a pet or a partner in the bed with you as well? <laughs> yeah, he'll be telling you in the morning, you need to see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right, right away. Uh, anyway, it, it looks interesting. And, you know, a lot of people are concerned about their health, right? So yeah. uh, I think they might be on the right track. And, you know, from what I've uh, read, uh, they've said that a lot of people are using their little digital assistants, the ones with the screens, as little night clocks for their bedstand. I've got the Amazon Echo one up on, on my nightstand, and I love it. Me uh, too, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I like the idea, though, of having a like a wireless sleep monitor because I don't like wearing stuff to bed. Like yeah. my Apple Watch does it as well, but I hate wearing my watch to bed. Yeah, I always paranoid, like making sure it's charged enough because I like tracking my sleep, but now this would just do it without having to wear that. So I'm, I'm interested to really test this out and we'll be giving the lowdown on that. Again, if you want to see our first impressions of it, getconnectedmedia.com. Don't forget to enter our contest, giving away a touch trainer. This is an all-in-one exercise machine. We have a secret word today. You'll hear it at the end of the program. If uh, you enter that secret word up at the contest page on our website, you'll get extra entries into the contest. So stay tuned for that. Tesla, a supercharger, would take anywhere from half an hour to 40 minutes to completely top mine up. That's exactly right. And the analogy to gas goes even deeper, right? The, the whole idea of battery swapping and the attractiveness of it is that you're moving energy physically. The reason gas works is you stop at a gas station, you take something physical and just put it in the car and just drive off, and then you figure out how you're going to get energy out of it. And when you can move electricity just as efficiently, then it just becomes as gas. And that's the power of battery swapping, is that you stop somewhere, you take something physically, put it in your car, and just drive off with a, with a full charge. Now, the challenge traditionally for battery swapping was it's expensive, you need a lot of land, how do you make it work with our cars? And that's a lot of kind of what we spent the last seven years figuring out how to solve in a way that would make sense. So what cars is this going to work in? Um, like, wouldn't the car have to be designed to, to have that type of battery system? 
That, again, that's a beauty of it also. I'm, I'm going to use the word beauty a lot here, but uh, because I think our system is beautiful. But, uh, the, but fundamentally, um, what we wanted to do, and that was important for us day one, say, listen, if you go and design the perfect car that can do battery swapping perfectly, then that would make sense from a uh, mechanical or from a technological standpoint. It's just not very practical. It's very hard to go to OEMs and say, listen, all of you need to change the way you're building cars. This is not going to happen. So from day one, our goal was to say, can you make it work with the car as it is today without making a single modification to it? That's exactly what we do. So we build kind of, and, and modularity is the key. That's why we call what we're doing modular battery swapping, not battery swapping. Because what we did is we took the battery, broke into smaller pieces. Think of a AA standard for battery, for a, for a car, right? And then what we do is we say, listen, in this small car, we can fit 16 of these. In this other car, we put 20. And then in a truck, we put 32. So it kind of fits the sp in the space available. And, and what we do is we build an adapter plate that has the same shape as the original battery, same bolt pattern, same connector. So you don't make any changes to the car whatsoever. You just, instead of installing a fixed battery, you install the ample system, drop-in replacement, and now it becomes swappable. So you're taking the old battery out and putting this new system in? Initially, when we were doing testing, that's what we did. I mean, the, the approach we were taking is we work with the OEMs. So when you buy a car today, you choose which tire, which kind of wheel you want and what kind of speaker system you want or, or stereo system you want. And now you'll be able to choose of, oh, I want a fixed battery or an ample system. So it gets installed at the, at the factory. So I have to ask the, the question, Khaled. Um, I don't want someone else's crappy battery. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if I just got a new car and I've got the new battery and then I go in to switch it, uh, what if I get someone's old degraded battery? That's very true. So... I think the problem here is with uh, how low we set the expectation for everybody when it comes to EV, is we went and trained everybody to say, listen, you're going to buy a, a very expensive car, more expensive than gas, and 30% of that cost in this battery, that can go bad really, really easily. Um, and you have to protect it because if you misabuse it, if you abuse it, or if you mischarge it, it's, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. And I think the problem is we're thinking we're giving the battery a bit too much attention. Instead, what we're doing is we're saying, Listen, we'll guarantee you always go to get a, a battery as good as new. All you do is just pay for, which is what you care about. How much do I pay per mile to get from one place to the other? And can I go where I need to go? And when I run out of charge, can I get my charge very quickly? So as long as we solve these problems for you, we're saying, listen, the battery is just a gas tank. It's just holder of energy. We'll guarantee it's as good as new all the time. So we're taking that off of your plate, having you not think about it and worry more about where you want to go and when. And are these, have you got any stations up and going yet? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're fully deployed in the Bay Area. Um, um, one of our first fleet partners is Uber, uh, just because for us, it's a great use case. Uber drivers are really kind of hardworking bunch. They drive 200, 300 miles a day. And we said, if you can make, make a move to electric seamlessly, just as easy as gas, then it works for everyone. So we partnered with them. The first deployment is the Bay Area. The whole Bay Area is already up and running. So you can drive anywhere around the Bay Area and get a charge in 10 minutes. Got a great uh, guest on today. His name is uh, Khaled uh, Hasuna. He is one of the founders and CEO of Ample EV Battery Swaps. This is a, a really cool technology. So instead of like plugging your car in to recharge it, you go to a station. They'll actually swap the old battery that's depleted to a new fresh one uh, within minutes. So saving a lot of time. Uh, where can people find out more information? Uh, Ample.com. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining us today and good luck. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Family, for example. 
Exactly. And yeah. if you have, you know, if it's an original photo that your grandpa took with a, a you know, film camera or something like that, then cool, you know, whatever it is. But then to actually sell it, though, you need to mint it. And this is the process that actually causes all the environmental impacts. So you basically have to set a number of variables to it. So you have to set like, what's the minimum uh, that you'd sell it for? Is there a reserve price or is it like a, uh, basically this is the price and that's it. And, and all those things dictate how much it's going to cost from a blockchain perspective for the transaction to be generated that truly solidifies that digital item with the tokenization and makes it available. You also, during that process of minting, you set what your residual royalty amount is. So I uploaded one and I said, minimum is going to be one Ethereum, which is quite a lot of money right now, actually. I think it's like $1,200 or something like that. Um, and then you also set the re- residual amount. So anytime I sell this out or anytime it gets sold after the original sale, I get a cut and you can determine what that cut is. Then you basically have to pay uh, for the transaction. So I uploaded literally like a super high res JPEG. I did a photo collage from an event that people had asked me to do this process to. And to mint it, it was going to cost me the equivalent of $170 Canadian. Who figures that out? The, the OpenSea software does. Okay. So on the website, you press the, you know, listed for sale button and then it sort of shows you what the cost is for that transaction is the marketplace getting that um, open sea no i think i think that's the cost to put it on the blockchain okay and i'm not entirely sure how much of a cut open sea gets got it open sea also gets a cut of the listing price so they get i think 2.5 percent so very similar to what ebay would get only if it know, sells only if it sells got yeah. it okay so one of the things pe- some of the artist friends that I have have suggested is like, well, why can't you list it without having to mint it? And once the reserve is met, take that transaction fee out of the reserve. Like once it's basically been determined it's going to sell, then charge the fees. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like an auction house that you go to and you want to put something up for auction. Generally, you get the auction house gets paid once it sells. If it doesn't sell, they give it back to you. Right. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. So it's just a lot to wrap your head around and, and sort of go through. And they, they have different ways of securing your wallets, different ways of securing your stuff. Basically, you do a lot of these hoop jumping things to basically, um, without a doubt, confirm that you're the original artist behind it. Right. And obviously, if I just take a picture of you know my cat and put it up there, no one's going to buy it. Or if they do buy it, they'll buy it for very little money. Yeah. But if it's if it's something of import, if it's something, uh, or I'm someone of import, which I am not, um, th- then that would you know help dictate the value. You know, because the market dictates what people will pay. You mentioned off the top, the NBA is selling basically um, uh, collectible cards this way. That, in my mind, they're kind of like crappy loot boxes. You're basically buying a box. You're buying a digital item that you don't even know what it is until you open it. Because that's one of the things you can also do is you can you can have something baked in when you list this um, digital item that's only revealed to the purchaser. So a really interesting example that I saw of this recently was a magician 
would sell his magic, the secret to his trick. So the trick is what you're buying, yeah. but only the, the purchaser gets to see how the trick is done, which I think is really a clever and a really interesting business model for magicians that create their own tricks. We've been talking all about NFTs, non-fungible tokens. These are little, uh, I guess, bits of code that authenticate online digital art, tying it to a specific owner. It's allowed some people to literally make millions of dollars selling their digital art. If you want to see more, go to our website. We've got a great video. John has done a fantastic job going through all of it at getconnectedmedia.com. It'll walk you through what an NFT is again and uh, just some of the ways to, to get that up and going. talk uh, about something that could be concerning. There's a a series of devices out there called Crickets. Uh, I guess the company's name is Cricket. Uh, They make these little cutters uh, that allow you to do all sorts of uh, great artistic crafts. John, you you have one of these devices. I have a couple of them, actually. Yeah. And so you make everything from uh, greeting cards to t-shirts. You can make uh, vinyl cutouts that you can uh, put onto t-shirts like it's just amazing everything you can can do with it. But they've gone to something unique uh, and had a huge outcry. Basically, they have software. I think it's cloud-based where you can put up and design your designs that you want to cut out, maybe say for a greeting card. But now they're looking at uh, giving you only, I think, about 20 free designs a month before you have to pay a subscription fee. What's that all about? Yeah, basically these machines rely on the cloud and uh, this is something that I think people should look at when they're looking to purchase any kind of device that's hardware-based. Does it need the cloud to operate? What happens if the cloud goes away or the company goes under or you know those types of things? But what Cricket did is they they have a, it's called Cricket Access. It's a, I think about 15 or $20 a month. It gives you access to you know tons of designs and, and inspiration for your projects. Some of them are very elaborate but they actually wanted to sort of force people to subscribe to this thing. You don't have to, to use the machine. Um, and so you, but you still have to upload any, any images or logos or text or anything like that, that you want to cut on the machine to the cloud. And then basically the cloud sends the, the instructions to the machine. And my laser cutter actually works the same way. So this is concerning for a number of reasons. Um, but but Cricket basically was, was trying to force people to uh, limit what they could do for free without having to go to the subscription service. And for some people, that might be fine. If they only do a couple of projects a month, that's fine. But I think a lot of people do crafting very regularly with their machines. And the notion that they would have to basically pay rent uh, to use the machine uh, did not go over well for Cricket. They, they had a huge backlash across every social platform you can imagine. And it spilled into other places too, where those like my laser cutting Facebook groups, for example, where people are raising the red flag saying, Hey, let's not go this way kind of thing. And so, but you know, it took about a day and then they backpedaled and they basically said any machines that you've purchased up until December 31st of this year, you've got unlimited uploads now. Like, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's fine. There's still this cloud hanging over it, dark cloud, if you will, uh, that basically says, at some point in the future, you might have to pay to use the cloud service. Um, yeah, but that's the only way you can use the damn machine, John. It's like saying, you know, I bought this printer, and then there's basically saying you can print 50 pages a month before you have to pay a $20 a month subscription fee to print more. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... it's oh, it, come it, on. It, it's a great business model for the business, yeah. but it sucks for the consumer. Uh, 
unless the machine is free or very low cost compared to what it actually costs. And there's some debate about these machines as well that, you know, they are kind of overpriced for what they do. Um, And there's a number of other competitors in the cricket space and and even the laser cutter space and other machines like this use the cloud that don't require the cloud. Right. So um, a lot of those companies are like, Hey, come on, come to, come to our side. We don't have a cloud, you know, you buy it. It's yours. You own it. You can use it as much as you want. But even then, some of those other competitors, they do have software that you have to buy that for them to maintain it, you have to basically pay for that. You know, and I kind of get it, but yeah, it's... We're going to be following up on that story. Uh, It's uh, something concerning to me. I I hate being tied into a cloud service. And what if that company goes out? Then the, the machine is useless. little bit of time left we are giving away an awesome all-in-one exercise system that ties in with an app and great videos to help you do the exercises i think there's over 240 different ones you can do it's got a built-in rowing machine it's cool it's called the tut trainer go to our website getconnectedmedia.com and we have uh, the banner up there and hit that and you can find out more ways to get extra entries this is a cool thing and one of the ways to get an extra entry is to enter in the secret word that you hear today. And that secret word, well, it's NFT. We talked all about it in the program. And again, if you type in that word as the secret word this week, you'll get additional entries into the actual contest. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show, every week. It's usually on on Sundays across Canada and Saturday nights uh, in Toronto. On The App Show, we'll be talking about the new Rogers Shaw deal and what that means for Canadians and competition. I want to thank John and Christina that helped put the show together. We'll see you again next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Get Connected podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe, rate, and review us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or CuriousCast.ca. If you want to get in touch with us, you got to check out our website, GetConnectedMedia.com. We've always got great contests going there. You can drop us a line anytime. We'll see you again next time.